we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. A couple of uh, important things up front in the program. One that we talk about all the time with you is herd immunity. Well, you know, did we ever get there? Will we ever get there? But more than that, even is this BA5, the Omicron subvariant, which is uh, cases are really ticking up on this. Uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal had a piece: hopes of COVID-19 reprieve fade as the BA5 subvariant takes over. And I've seen a multiple of stories uh, on this, so that's a good place to start here. A welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Aloud here, along with Dr. Peter McCullough. All right. So, what do you think of these stories now we're seeing of the BA5 subvariant and the and the cases and the numbers? And as a, as an example, let me just throw out here first. So, it's estimated to represent more than one in three recent U.S. cases that are averaging just more than a hundred thousand a day. This is the CDC data now saying this, Dr. McCullough. And the true number of infections may be roughly six times as high. Experts are saying because in part so many people are using at-home tests that state health departments can't even track it. What do you think about those numbers? It's true. BA5 now is on the rise. We know that it's R0 value, that is how much it spreads, is up to 18. Now, R0 means theoretically if one person had it, they could spread it to 18 people. With the original Wuhan spike protein, uh, the original Wuhan strain, we looked at an R0 of one to three. So uh, it's becoming more contagious. This is a product of mass vaccination. Now, the interesting thing is uh, you typically don't have one person in a room and 18 people susceptible because most people have either had the illness uh, or they've had vaccination or they've had both. Now, BA5 has broken through natural immunity and broken through uh, vaccination, but that applies to the earlier strains of the virus. So uh, in many ways, BA5 now is creating this next wave uh, I had a whole uh, slew of patients today contracting that presumably BA5 is characteristically mild. Malcolm, it's leading for the first time. It's leading with a sore throat. So it's much more like the common cold mm -hmm. as opposed to leading with nasal congestion and difficulty breathing. Interesting. I didn't know that with the, with the sore throat. Yeah, it sounds like that. Um, now, interestingly, you mentioned because of the vaccinations, yet uh, I want to put out here the, uh, the Biden administration health officials uh, said uh, ju just uh, yesterday, in fact, that the BA5 has the potential to push the number of infections higher in the coming weeks. And they urged everybody to get the vaccine booster shots to lower the risk of hospitalization and death. That's I mean, that's the official talking point, which really kind of blows my mind because I don't even think this is set up for the BA5, is it? No, in, in Texas, most days now we have zero deaths. And typically the hospitalizations and deaths, you know, they go together. Most people who die, die in the hospital. So we're seeing very few hospitalizations. I checked in at our major medical center and we had one patient in the hospital on forms of life support, but he was tested positive, but was in for a motor vehicle accident or something else. So, you know, that's part of these numbers of hospitalizations and deaths of people who just are happy to test positive, but they don't have the typical patient with BA5 is like Chuck Schumer uh, in the House of Representatives in the United States. He's quadruple vaxxed and he's got a case of mild COVID. That's the typical 
BA5 patient is like a common cold. Yeah. Now they mention hospitals in here as well. And listen to these numbers here uh, are, were fascinating to me. The, uh, the pace of the hospital admissions and what you just said, that's what I'm reading about is that people are going in for other things and then they're discovering the COVID like a car accident, like you say, or some other problem, doesn't matter what it is. Now they're saying the seven day moving average for confirmed COVID-19 patients in hospitals has topped 33,000. Okay. Now, 33,000. This is federal data now up from a low. Now, I didn't know this and, and listen to these numbers that the low in April was around 10,000. So 10,000 was an average in April. Now it's up to 33,000. So quite a bit more, but not nearly what it was in January at the peak, which was 150,000. Uh, so do those numbers in the hospital? Now, one other caveat here is people don't need intensive care. Uh, that's not happening as much as you say. Deaths are hovering. Well, they're still, believe it or not. I mean, you, it's not like they don't happen. They're around three, 350 a day, they're saying. 300, 350 a day. Nothing like it was. Any of those numbers surprise you in the hospitals? Yeah, I think those are largely driven by test positive for other cases. You know, a good proxy of this is labor and delivery wards. So labor and delivery wards have typically run 5% positive at any time, but they can run, you know, 10, 15% positive. They don't have COVID. They're just testing positive. Remember people test positive after they've had the illness for many months. Right. It's been published now. Someone could be positive intermittently for over a year. So a lot of these positives, they've already had COVID, you know, months ago, and they're in the hospital for other reasons. I think that's what's uh, padding the numbers. Of those with adjudicated COVID in the hospital, our breaking point was was close. It's about 130,000 uh, simultaneous inpatients. We got to about 125,000 in January of 2021. And we haven't been, yeah, we haven't been close to that since that time. Uh, and you're right, we typically oscillate of test positive in the hospital, we oscillate between 15 and 35,000. And we've done that for a couple of years now. And the, and the last point to this is is really eye-opening. Uh, so, if, I mean, if this isn't all bad enough, New York City last week urged people to resume masking in public, indoor settings and around crowds outside. Los Angeles County Public Health Department said rising COVID-19 hospital emissions mean the county also could see uh, could reach high community prevalence and that officials would reinstate the mask mandates if the county stayed at that level for two weeks, which it seems like it will. So this is still still something else. Even at this point in the heat of the summer months, they're still talking about going back. These these um, these corridors that have been pretty famous for throughout the pandemic, like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, other places like that. They're talking about bringing all the mask mandates back and still push. They, you know, they've never come off their mission, Dr. McCullough. They've never changed they're, and they've never admitted any wrong either with any of it. And they still double and triple down when it makes no sense. Well, they started with the presumption that masks work and they're effective. So when there's higher rates, we should wear masks, lower rates, we shouldn't. They're still presuming they're effective, even though, uh, you know, many, many studies have proven that they're ineffective. The same thing with the vaccines. They're still presuming they're safe and effective. And the response to the pandemic should be taking more vaccines uh, despite the virus mutating and the vaccines losing their coverage. So these presumptions are not being dropped. The human mind is gripped in fear. You know, I learned today, I was at a high level meeting in Virginia. I learned today that the Head Start program mm -hmm. is gonna be masking the, um, the low uh, socioeconomic status family children. 
in the preschool program, they're going to have masks on them, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm talking about. And I've seen a, a multiple stories about what you say there with the little kids, which makes zero sense uh, at all. Um, now, when you, when you talk about these variants and we talk about the BA5 and then back to something you and I've talked about well, pretty frequently, actually, over the, the last couple of years is herd immunity. Very interesting story, as I, you see in the, the science and the grid. Uh, COVID herd immunity hasn't panned out. Why are we seeing surges when most Americans have been vaccinated or infected? Now, Fauci had come out some time ago and said, once enough people become immune, either via catastrophic mass infection or widespread vaccination, the virus would be starved of new hosts. Its rampant spread would stop and normal life would resume. He said that earlier early on in the program. Of course, he never came back to, um, to do exactly what he says in that statement. And this whole herd immunity thing is still very perplexing. And it's a very interesting read this piece. I think I'll put the click through in the post when this does go to podcast, because it talks about the fact that herd immunity, it was always a myth. It was never really going to happen in the way that it was framed up front and the way they said it would happen. Uh, and they're talking about the rise of BA5 as another uh, variant to that point. Uh, any thoughts about this at all? I mean, I kind of thought we hit herd immunity already, Dr. McCollum. We were over that hurdle, and they're saying we're not there still. Uh, what do you make of that? The challenge with herd immunity and messaging it to the public, Malcolm, is that herd immunity applies when someone get, gets an illness once and they can't get it again. And that held up from the wild type through the Delta variant. So herd immunity, the concepts worked. We, you know, we relied on herd immunity equations. The CDC had an equation. They proved that it was valid. Uh, I used that equation when I testified in the March 21st uh, Texas Senate hearings. Um, but when Omicron broke through herd immunity and Omicron could reinfect someone who already had the virus um, you know, a first time, then herd immunity now is, is a useless idea. We don't have herd immunity to the common cold. We don't have herd immunity to pneumococcal pneumonia or sepsis or anything else. And, um, and so, uh, uh, you know, we have a situation where um, uh, we just simply can't apply those concepts now because the, the, the virus, the outbreaks and the pandemic overall has changed. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, there were many. In fact, this piece goes on to say some experts were saying we don't, which makes no sense to me. They said you would only need about 20 percent to which that's totally illogical that 20 percent would create any kind of herd immunity. Uh, but they're saying others thought it would be closer to 90. And I think we always thought it would be around what I think around the 70 percent mark, 60, 70 percent, something like that, just over 50, uh, reaching 60, 70 would be considered some sort of herd immunity. Uh, it, it, you know, you mentioned a few moments ago fear. And as I see more and more of this, as this thing has progressed, and I see the correspondence coming in here, fear has always played a big part of this pandemic and how it has been treated. And still, there are those with the mask and the vaccine mandates that seem to want to stretch this out. How much, how many more miles do you think they get out of this before this thing hits the wall? Because we're looking now, we're what, in our third year? This is three years, right? We're coming on? It's, it's three years. You, you know, this is almost like a campaign when we look back at, <laughs> you know, major world wars. We're, we're in a campaign. The Biden administration just extended uh, the emergency declarations. Uh, we have a situation where the Biden administration has announced that they are ordering more vaccines for the fall campaign. And they use the word campaign. 
yeah. So, uh, so it's clear now that we are in some type of prolonged mm. human mm. endeavor. It's worldwide. Uh, it is absolutely driven by fear. Fear is a necessary element to keep f- fueling the uh, wow. the initiatives. You need fear for people to put on masks. You need and and you're, and you're telling me they're it. actually using the word campaign. I did, I did not know that. <laughs> That's the word they're using. Yes, yes. The Biden administration declared that they had purchased 130 million more doses of vaccines for a fall campaign. Now, keep in mind, both Moderna and Pfizer have had large returns. People have returned the vaccines. Either the lots were contaminated or they had debris in them or they expired. They actually don't have a very long shelf life. So the question is, who's paying for all this, Malcolm? We're draining the treasuries worldwide. Are we getting our money back for the vaccines that aren't being used? You know, you walk into CVS or Walgreens, you don't see people lining up out the door waiting to get vaccines. Hardly anybody's back in the vaccine corner. That's almost the, you know, the corner of darkness in the back of the pharmacy. You don't want to, you don't want to be caught back there. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. So we've got lots of questions here. We're going to get to Dr. McCullough and and I will will uh, peel through a lot of these. There've been some great questions. And you know, the other thing I want to comment on. And, and it is worthy of saying, and I'll give you an example in a moment here. There's also a lot of love coming in here. Not, you know, there's not enough love out here. And I just, I, I really mean it. And I just want to stop a moment to say, uh, we've read all the correspondence and by far there is far more love and people so appreciative of the time and attention of these programs and the things we're doing here. So I, I think it's worthy. I'll give you an example in the last Q&A we did, uh, there was a, a gentleman, I just always use only first names here. Uh, his name was Richard and uh, we answered his question. You know, uh, Dr. McCullough, we always let, the network always lets every person know that we've answered their question and they can listen to it on podcast or talk radio, but we always do that. And this gentleman wrote back just today and, and we after we sent him that message, he said, yeah, it, it sh- we told him it was on po- podcast. You know, he said it sure was. I heard it yesterday. I love you, Malcolm and Peter. Thank you with a whole bunch of exclamation marks. That was from Richard. And there are so many more like that this past week that have come in. It's just nice to get that uh, uh, affirmation of those uh, people that are so appreciative and the love that exists. There's too much hate out there, Dr. McCullough. I think it's worthy of saying that, you know. I think it's absolutely terrific. You know, I have one other update. We got a big dose of legal love in the last hour. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has just sued the American Board of Internal Medicine, American Board of Family Practice, and the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology for the board's attempting professional reprisal on doctors like myself who are engaging in scientific discourse on the pandemic uh, and are trying to treat the patients the best to our ability. Wow. So AAPS stopped up big. Now we have one medical society suing defendants. And I just tweeted out, let history record that medical boards are now defendants in lawsuits mm-hmm. where they are alleged to actually uh, violate the First Amendment rights, violate the ability for doctors to interchange information and violate doctors' abilities to treat patients. Let history record. Mm-hmm. That is a big uh, announcement you just made. I did not know it. I just learned it for the first time as everybody here is learning it. And because of that, I'm going to get AAPS on the network. I love the work they do over there. They've been just so steadfast in all of this. 
I, I definitely want to get them on and have a conversation about this lawsuit. That is fantastic news uh, and wonderful, wonderful. Now, one other thing, we're going to dive right into the questions here, and I, I just want to point out a lot of you out there have probably been following this news, and it's worthy to discuss this, and Dr. McCullough knows what I'm talking about here, with Dr. Simone Gold uh, and what she had, in fact, uh, Dr. Henry Ely, in fact, did a, a show or two on this as well, and uh, they've been very supportive of her. You know, she's been on the front line, frontline doctors. She's been on the front line, as Dr. McCullough has, Dr. Ely, and, and, and a whole world class of uh, physicians. She got caught into a bad situation, as many of you out there know, and ended up, uh, and, I'll, and I'll read this little excerpt here in a moment in the press release, she ended up being sentenced to 60 days in jail. You know, we just talked about free speech a moment ago here. Uh, let me read you this quick excerpt and this um, uh, announcement I want to make right here live on America Out Loud Pulse with all of you. So Dr. Simone Gold is a medical freedom advocate who's been fighting for truth throughout the pandemic. As a frontline doctor, she's paid the price for putting her patients first and prescribing effective early COVID-19 treatment. No doubt about that. More recently, Dr. Gold has been targeted for exercise and her right to free speech while standing up for the medical freedom of all Americans. As a victim of selective prosecution, Dr. Gold has been sentenced to 60 days in jail and she needs our help. Now, when we say 60 days in jail, any days in jail is wrong when it's wrong. I'm just telling everybody out there, number one. And two, who would want that record? Who, who would want to become that and haven't served any time in jail? Um, let's be clear. So it's a big deal, people. Uh, back to the press release. When a law-abiding citizen like Dr. Gold can find herself in a situation like this, she should concern every American, no matter their political affiliation. I totally agree. I don't care if it's a Democrat, Republican, Independent. Doesn't matter to me, people. Uh, America Out Loud Pulse and Genesis HOCL want to help Dr. Simone Gold out, which in turn will help all Americans in their right to speak freely. And you'll be hearing this throughout the week on America Out Loud Pulse, actually. When you use the code out loud to receive the 15% discount that you get off the Fogger, 10% of all the proceeds will go back to Dr. Gold and helping her legal fees. And this it will be a special um, gift from Genesis HOCL, which brings me to talk about the Genesis Fogger very briefly. Uh, so the Genesis Fogger uses a disinfectant that's based upon the chemistry of our immune system. And the more we learn about this, the more effective it is. Hypochlorous is what I'm speaking about here. It's what our white blood cells use to fight infection. They're 100% hypoallergenic, it is, 100% non-toxic, safe to use around the kids, the pets, the plants, 100 times more effective than chlorine bleach to killing pathogens, bacteria, viruses, mold, etc. cetera. Uh, this is amazing stuff. It creates a dry mist you put into the fogger, it, the HOCL, and it cleans the air. It's a powerful mechanism and tool, and this HOCL is incredible. Uh, Dr. McCullough, this uh, promotion uh, which Pulse will put out there to raise awareness of free speech and protect Dr. Simone Gold, I think it's a big deal. It is. And, you know, we have to step up big now to protect free speech and particularly free speech by doctors. You know, doctors are considered persons in authority when it comes to a pandemic like SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Not just any old opinion. These are opinions of authority and they cannot be censored. Uh, they cannot be uh, driven or influenced. And they certainly cannot result in professional reprisal or personal imprisonment, uh, fines, etc. We must preserve the constitutional right 
That's, you know, that's basically Amendment 1, freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. But very, very importantly, we're in a time of a biomedical crisis. Mm-hmm. And doctors' opinions out of all the times uh, should be protected. And nobody knows this better than you, my dear friend, Dr. McCullough, you've been through the ringer and you paid plenty uh, for this as well. And all listeners know that I'm not telling them anything they don't know, but it's a reference point in this fight forward. Um, It's this is a moment. This is a moment in time. And I feel it every day. I get to the mic and every day we get to put out the content and the message uh, back at America Out Loud, friends. So on to the Q&A now and all the questions we have here. This is our Q&A number 30, by the way. Uh, we're keeping tabs. I know you are out there as well. This one is from Maureen. This COVID insanity is a nightmare on so many fronts, she says. Thank you for all you're doing in the service of truth. My family had COVID last fall, winter. None of us took the COVID shots. But five, seven months later, a few of us still had some ongoing symptoms, tendonitis and problems, ringing in the ears and all of that, tendonitis, with a sense of smell and taste problems as well. We followed the FLCCC eye mask protocol when we contracted the illness. And I'm wondering if you're aware of any treatment specifically for these problems. I suggest going back to FLCC on this. I still think the eye recover protocol is probably the best for these residual long COVID syndrome symptoms. Uh, My mom, I think most people know she was in assisted living. She just got uh, COVID. She got through it with McCullough protocol. You know, sure enough, a week or so later, she's got some residual symptoms. I was back, uh, you know, made made sure that she wasn't sick. But after that, we're really largely relying on nutraceuticals and supplements, as well as exercise, uh, lots of fresh air to, you know, to get through this period of time. People do have symptoms. We recognize it, but they're going to get through it. I remember in the heat of COVID when I was going through it and my wife, I remember when I was really sick, you were on the line telling me, Malcolm, you need fresh air. You need fresh air. Open up the windows, open the doors, get out. And I was so sick. I thought to myself, are you crazy? I can't even breathe. <laughs> I remember you saying you need fresh air. That's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? Well, in all the areas of the world where there's plenty of fresh air, the equatorial areas, people spend a lot of time outside, very low rates of COVID. Have you heard about COVID hitting Haiti, Dominican Republic, through the Caribbean? How about equatorial Africa? You never hear about it. Interesting. Malcolm, it's because people are outside. Being outside is not only fresh air, reducing the inoculation, re-inoculation, but it's also conversion of vitamin D. Uh, there are many reasons mm-hmm. yeah. why people yeah. should spend a lot of time outside, particularly when they're sick with COVID-19. Stay away from people. Don't need to wear a mask, but get outside. Yeah, that's why all these kinds of things we talk to you about on the platform here, Healthy Cell, Cofix Rx, uh, the Genesis Fargo, the HRC, all these things are... Um, they just create a healthier lifestyle, exercise, lifestyle. What Dr. McCullough's talking about right there, what I always talk to you about. Uh, Annabelle says, uh, my best friend received two doses of the Moderna vaccine plus a booster. We are close to getting engaged. Wow. Uh, but I have concerns on how this could impact myself or our future children. I know how much is known uh, about the future I know not much is known about the future impact this vaccine will have on individuals, but is this something I should worry about? Could this cause health issues for our children? 
Um, you know, this is Annabelle again. This is, a, Dr. McCullough, this is that fear again that you just talked about moments ago. What would you say to Annabelle? Well, this is fear of the unknown. Every young person should know these are brand new genetic injections. We can have no idea how this is going to influence uh, their future or their future reproductive, uh, you know, the reproductive uh, capabilities. Now, recently on the McCullough Report, uh, a few editions ago, I had Dr. James Thorpe on, one of the most highly respected fertility specialists, uh, OB-GYN, and he gave us the lowdown. In general, the short answer is this. We know that the vaccines hyperconcentrate in the female ovary, uh, but we don't yet have uh, data directly in, um, supporting a notion that the vaccines reduced female fertility. We do have a paper that came in by GAT and colleagues, GAT and colleagues, showing the vaccines clearly reduce sperm count. There's no doubt about it. Sperm count and, mo and motility, and they drop it by about for about six months, and then they rebound. But the point is, if a man is already low in the normal range, it's going to move men into the infertile range during this period of time. Now, if they take a booster in six months, there they are again, potentially in the infertile range. Again, the papers get and colleagues, you can find it on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, Thorpe also quoted it in the McCullough report. Now, if someone uh, didn't take any more boosters and they're fine, sperm count should be back up and, and we should be good. I think with so many things in the vaccines, uh, one or two shots, nothing happened. As long as there's no boosters, I, I think people are fine. If they start taking boosters every six months, I think they're in trouble. There you go. All right. Katie says, Dr. McCullough, I am baffled. I am unjabbed. I have uh, thrice been infected, recovered, and established natural immunity to the disease. The severity of the disease symptoms have been more mild with each time I've contracted it, but so have the variants. Why then do I continue to contract it? I do not have any known underlying health issues or autoimmunity, uh, and I am of a healthy weight. Uh, she gets into some particulars. My T-cell and COVID antibody labs are through the roof. Perhaps there are some labs you would recommend to uncover a deficiency. Until then, I will continue to do a nasal rinse and gargle uh, after each uh, congregate set and I'm exposed to exercise, eat healthy, et cetera, supplements. But she's wondering why she keeps getting it. And uh, any, any thoughts to that? This is one of the best questions I've had on the show, Malcolm. And I tell you, this has come up in my mind. Hmm. Why is this happening? Some people seem to be getting it over and over again. This is not the first time I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. Healthy people. You know, the secrets may be in to susceptibility. There may be people uh, based on a certain immune uh, protection protein mutations, what's called interferon mutations. You've also heard about severity and blood type. I think there are some people who genetically are going to be more prone to getting it. Now, they may be in a work environment where they just have a lot more exposure. Some people may work at Starbucks and then people going in coughing and just, you know, exposure after exposure. But I'm hearing this, that some people seem to be prone to getting it and they, they test positive. Since it's uh, like the common cold now, at this point in time, many people are just doing home testing. It's not getting reported, just personally knowing if they have it or not. And some are foregoing testing and just treating them like a common cold. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Lisa says, hi to my two favorite hosts. Malcolm, I was sorry to hear that your wife had another round battle in COVID, but very grateful that she came through it with flying colors. 
Thank you, Lisa. I was wondering if Dr. McCullough would be so kind enough to provide this request. As you know, a lot of areas are moving into high transmission with the current variant, with all the disinformation still out there. I think it would be so helpful if Dr. McCullough could give us thoughts on the following. What are the symptoms of this strain? Who is considered high risk these days? What is the general treatment for the high risk and non-high risk? Who and when should we wear masks? Well, everybody's asking that, it seems. Um, what do you say to that, to Elisa there? Again, great question. We're talking about the BA5 variant. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience is it leads with a sore throat and a fever in the first couple of days, then nasal congestion. You can produce some significant mucus, uh, and coughing up mucus is not uncommon. Uh, high risk are nursing home residents, uh, those who are, uh, you know, senior citizens, uh, heart and lung disease, kidney disease, cancer, people already on oxygen. Those would be high risk uh, individuals. Low risk would be younger people, otherwise healthy. For the otherwise healthy, it's simply the nasal virucidal washes. Uh, we can use uh, dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide. That's perfectly fine uh, four times a day when acutely ill. Uh, fever control with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, what's called the OTC or over-the-counter bundle for the McCullough protocol, zinc 50 milligrams, vitamin C 3000 milligrams, vitamin uh, D3 uh, for a, a short period of time, 20,000 units a day, uh, quercetin 500 milligrams twice a day, and then over-the-counter famotidine or Pepsid, uh, but at a high dose, 80 milligrams a day. So the OTC bundle and the over-the-counter use of the nasal virucidal washes is all that's needed for low-risk people. For fever control, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents like Motrin or Aleve are favored over Tylenol. And that's been shown in a paper by uh, Afazi and colleagues, uh, which I was a co-author on. It's a better way to go. Higher risk people, senior citizens, those who can get more ill, we do need McCullough protocol, sequence multi-drug approach, or FLCC protocol, or other st uh, community standard of care protocols, that it does involve antivirals, uh, including monoclonal antibodies and the highest risk, oral drugs like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, paxlovid, or molnupiravir. I'm finding with the current variant, Malcolm, and this mucus, uh, that doxycycline, and some have reported that doxycycline alone works. So that's becoming my go-to antibiotic over uh, azithromycin. And then uh, I'm finding it relatively uncommon that people need prednisone, uh, that they need um, uh, occasional need inhaled budesonide. We do put people on oral aspirin all the way through. I'm rarely using colchicine or anticoagulants now. It's just such a brief syndrome that not as much is needed. It's about four to six drugs, uh, but we're largely focusing on the upfront. Uh, it's characteristically devoid of pulmonary involvement. I mentioned very few people being hospitalized for pulmonary reasons. Uh, and so for that, for that reason alone, we're not needing to um, you know, take such an intensive approach. It's not characterized by blood clots. We are not seeing blood clots nearly as frequently. Yeah. as we were with the more severe variants. Yeah, yeah, I don't see, I don't hear much about that anymore. You're right. Um, well, Lisa, there you go. That was a, I mean, I'm sure everybody appreciated that was a terrific um, answer uh, from Dr. McCullough on your great question. And that just helped a whole lot of people out, I'm certain of it. 
I, I do need to remind everybody, and you all know where I'm going to go right now, the program and everything we're talking about is for educational purposes. Please, please understand. And I know you write in and you ask me, and you, and you understand why we say this. We have to say it. Educational purposes, okay? So you have to get your own personal situation as unique. And it, this is not a specific uh, a doctor a sit down one on one. You have to go to your own doctor, your own circle there. To okay, so please remember that educational purposes only. Okay, um, now uh, Aaron has a question uh, on the vaccine here. She says, "I have several friends with vaccine injuries. Many are elderly and or alone. They need help with recovery, but are not capable of following long instructions." Is there a vaccine recovery clinic? Uh, interesting question. Uh, near me, I live in Southern Maryland, near Virginia. Do you know of vaccine recovery clinics, Dr. McCullough? Hmm. You know, I'm not aware of any specific vaccine recovery clinics. I imagine they'll be coming along, but go to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, aapsonline.org, and download the uh, roster of treating physicians. They're the ones handling the vaccine injuries at this point in time. The available vaccine injury recovery protocols are through the World Council for Health. That's a website with a yellow and pink um, um, background and logo, uh, or also available through the FLCC, Frontline Critical Care uh, Network, and uh, they have a vaccine recovery protocol as well. Again, no randomized trials, no proven strategies to deal with these vaccine injuries, but they are coming in hot and heavy. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all to see in the future some vaccine recovery clinics. I, I think that is an interesting uh, 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 point that Aaron uh, points out there. This next one is from Jocelyn. Uh, my brother, age 67 years old, had the Delta uh, variant almost a year ago, was hospitalized, and by the grace of God, made it out alive. I, I know what you're talking about, Jocelyn. Uh, however, he is still having trouble getting his energy back and seems to be very susceptible uh, to non-corona viruses going around his work. He takes vitamins, prescribed meds, uh, is diabetic and has uh, stents put in, uh, had them put in three years ago. None of his regular doctors seem to address how COVID affected his long-term health. He did not take the shot. I hear there are long COVID doctors now, but not sure how to go about finding one. Can you help? He lives in Austin, Texas. I think it's going to be the same answer as what you just gave, Dr. McCullough. But the point of this question is, this is a very common question, what's happening here. The long COVID is a real problem. There's no doubt about it, but the theme of that question had some additional unpacking. And a part of this, Malcolm, is the idea is can the infection knock down the immunity and, you know, be more susceptible to non-COVID colds or what have you? And we are seeing this in our practice. Uh, I think there's a giant role here for products like the Healthy Cell Immune Super Boost, where we need to have absorbable microgel technology, getting the vitamins into the system. Sometimes I even use them twice a day in patients. Uh, I tend to go twice a day and people have really been knocked down with uh, COVID, cancer, kidney disease, other illnesses that really, the body almost needs two opportunities to absorb these essential micronutrients and vitamins to help boost the immune system. People need plenty of fresh air, sunlight. I do worry about this because, uh, you know, there is a problem of a secondary pneumonia. When someone's been knocked down with COVID, and then they turn around and get a pneumococcal pneumonia or get homophilus or mycoplasma 
or chlamydial uh, pneumonias. These are serious and can be life-threatening. So I think we need to take uh, pulmonary recovery seriously. We need to take uh, immune boosting uh, seriously, and we need to use all the products available. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in, with what I went through with my wife and myself personally. Uh, there's nothing that replaces good health, good care uh, upon yourself. Uh, I mean, I talk about it every day. And to so many people, it is very, very accurate. Uh, we're going to take just a pause here in just a moment here, my fellow Americans. And uh, But again, uh, Q&A uh, 30 here today with Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, On America Out Loud Pulse. As you know, all these shows go to podcast about the day after. Usually the next day, they'll be on podcast. But you can hear the live version of America Out Loud Pulse at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, anywhere in the world, actually, uh, on iHeartRadio, uh, on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Now, that's Talk radio and there's an encore at 10 p.m uh you hear the live version of this show and we have great hosts all week long it's a fabulous program to be sure now as we go to break here i i want to mention in the month of july Big, 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 big deal. Never done this before. Uh, this is, again, these are companies that want to help out, like Healthy Cell that Dr. McCullough just talks about. Uh, so Immune Super Boost is incredible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract. This is a micro gel that gets absorbed in your body immediately. You can take it right out of the package into your mouth. It's a berry taste or put in a little bit of water. It's fantastic. Uh, now, all listeners, whether you repeat or new, it doesn't really matter. You'll all get 50% off to celebrate our independence in July here. A 50% off. Now, there's a different code. So, so listen up here. You've got to use the code America50. America 50 will get you 50% off in July. You got to hear this in July. Uh, immune Super Boost for this month. This is the time to stock up on it. Uh, never did that before. This was a big deal. You know, Dr. McCullough, when I was talking to the company, they wanted to do something special for independence. They were going to run this for a week. And I said, no, 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 no. We can't run this for a week. We're going to need to run this for a month if we're going to do it. That was my stipulation. And they agreed to do that. Wasn't that pretty cool? That's very generous of them. You know, these companies have been wonderful to work with. 50% off is a huge discount. You know, the whole product line is absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, the REM sleep supplement uh, we rely on uh, to help you get better quality sleep. And then when we get better quality sleep, we have more energy the next day. And by the way, sleep disturbance is common in these long COVID syndromes, very common. And the overlap between the healthy cell products is not great, meaning that they really are specifically targeting the activities that they have on the package labeling and on the boxes. They come in boxes, but by the way, keep them in boxes. And, you know, I use them uh, I use the packet uh, because I'm a runner. I'm used to kind of using gel, hammer gels and other things. I use the packet itself basically for that boost. And uh, the Immune Super Boost, uh, terrific. The REM sleep supplement, terrific. Right before bed. You can use it right before bed and then you're just up in bed and its, its effects are, are uh, nearly immediate. And then very importantly, the focus and recall. And I can't tell you how many patients I have as they get older, they can't tell if the memory is slipping just as part of normative aging or they developing what's called MCF, mild cognitive decline, MCD, or indeed Alzheimer's. There is a fear of losing memory over time. And the concept here, Malcolm, is that if one is active in their memory, they're active intellectually reading, 
uh, and all the cognitive activities, then the brain stays healthier longer. A great way to do that in a great lifestyle is to use focus and memory. That's it. Yeah. You, you've got to, you've got to exercise the brain. That muscle has got to be exercised big time. Uh, that's why I always tell people, they say, uh, whatever I said, I will never retire. Uh, I don't think anybody should retire uh, in the form of what retirement used to be. But I mean, you know, you move on to something else in your life, but uh, absolutely very cool. Listen, we're going to go to pause right here. You'll hear the uh, America 50, the immune boost in the break here. You'll also hear the Genesis Fogger. Don't forget that Simone Gold promotion uh, that we will, uh, the company, We'll put uh, money back to Simone Gold's uh, to help her with the legal fees. That you'll hear that in the pause as well. Uh, stay right there, friends. Uh, we'll see you just on the other side. The Genesis Fogger is critically important to breathing cleaner air, which is essential to good health. Almost no one is killing pathogens in the air where they pose the risk of transmission. We've been ridiculously focused on hand sanitizer and other measures where the problem is the microbes are in the air, including COVID-19. The Genesis Fogger is HOCL. It's a powerful tool, not only for living with COVID, but also removing harmful pathogens. Remember, if we have fewer virions in the air, much less likely to get a critical inoculum and actually get clinically sick. The same thing applies to the cold and flu, whether it be adenoviruses, coronaviruses, polymyxoviruses, influenza, viruses. And also, there are antibiotic resistant superbugs. There can be ones particularly that are airborne, including uh, Clostridium difficile, which is airborne and um, in contact mode. So uh, consider the Genesis Fogger that utilizes HOCL. The Genesis Fogger is perfectly designed. It's a machine that produces a fine dry mist using HOCL that quickly kills germs, bacteria, and viruses in the air and surfaces, and it does it simultaneously. So please go to uh, genesisfogger.com slash outloud and uh, get 15% off your purchase of the Genesis Fogger. That's where the upfront cost is going to be, and I can tell you, you're going to be happy you did it. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. 
Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to America Out Loud. Paul Citizen, Malcolm Out Loud here, along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And we're coming right through the questions. I want to get as many in as we can right now. So let's go to Robin. Uh, she says, you and others say that the program is for educational purposes only. The, the, no, I forgot about this one. This is, I get uh, several of these in, but she says, which I completely understand. Uh, but you also say to rely on your MD for proper information and treatment. The problem with this, she says, is that so many, if not most doctors, buy into the narrative for treating COVID. And she has a valid point, but I, we can't fix everything, Robin, but I hear you. She said, I'm a retired RN, okay? Now we understand who has watched doctors be bought and paid for by their organizations for many years. It's so much worse now. Oh, wow. At least four doctors in my area have died unexpectedly and suddenly in the past year or so. One of them who was supposedly a healthy man, who mowed his yard, then came into the house, sat down, had a heart attack and died. Another was a friend of mine, a physician I worked for. When I asked him if it was possible that vaccination caused this, he simply said, oh, no, he had a heart attack. I'm seeing more and more obituaries for young people who've had heart attacks and just died. He said, why is no one questioning this? Wow. What do you say? It has to do with what we call mass formation. I just finished reading the book by Dr. Matthias Desmet from the University of Ghent in Belgium. And I tell you, it's, it's a page turner. I think everybody should get it. It's going to be required reading in psychology classes in the future. I'm sure of it. He's a brilliant young clinical psychologist, research psychologist. What's happened is driven by fear and in this period, this strange period that we've had in, in, in human history, doctors are in a form of mass formation, meaning that they've, they've bought into this narrative. Uh, they can't see any way out of it. They're not questioning the narrative. She's exactly right. And uh, their behavior is considered illogical or absurd. So one of their, um, one of their um, uh, you know, approaches to the pandemic would be to keep taking more vaccines, as an example. Well, the, the virus clearly can affect somebody and it's broken through the vaccine. So their solution is take more vaccines. There still are doctors that say there's no treatment for COVID despite fully developed community standards of care with the, so the drugs I've reviewed, including the emergency use authorized drugs. So doctors are in mass formation, nurses to a lesser extent. And so we have a situation here where many people are taking health into their own hands. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I, I thought Robin's uh, point and as a retired RN was fascinating um, that she really questions. It. We all question what's really going on here. Here's another very odd uh, one that I uh, will throw out there real quickly from Jesse. Uh, I just wanted to share my recent experience and perhaps a word of caution. L listen to this one, Dr. McCullough. This, this one is fascinating. I was a nurse at a clinic in the Midwest and, and my facility announced a vaccine booster requirement taking effect uh, March 2022. Haven't heard Dr. McCullough and others talk about resisting these policies and mandates. I took a stand and took my leave. Ever since my career and my life has been derailed and I spend every day wishing I would have just taken the shot. 
this is a this is an interesting uh, story here. My advice to those who speak publicly on these things is to emphasize the importance of making personal decisions based on individual needs. I made my decisions. I'm not blaming anyone else, but my decisions were greatly influenced by this program network. I wouldn't wish what I've been experienced on anyone. So here's somebody who took a direct, it, it, wasn't that an interesting email though, Dr. McCollum, that di a different position, different outcome in which she had taken it. But what if she had taken it, this person, uh, or I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, Jesse could be either or, and something traumatic had happened or she dropped dead or he dropped dead. And that would be the, that would be, then it would be a blessing to somebody, but you never really know, do you? No, you never do. I mean, there's risks on both sides, right? So if, Someone is pitted between taking a vaccine or losing their job. If they lose their job, then the next steps are find another job. And if finding another job becomes difficult or impossible, or if they fail at that, then one could say, wow, losing my job was a, a terrible thing. If they take the vaccine and they end up with a blood clot or a heart damage, exactly. neurologically you know, devastated or, have, or even worse death, there would be a great regret on taking the vaccine. So it's a trade-off, and I don't think anybody comes out of this clean. There's nobody coming mm. out of this where they're not going to lose something. But this idea that, wow, I can have my cake and eat it too. Mm. I can uh, decline the vaccine, and I'm still going to keep my wonderful job, and I'm gonna have, my life is going to be wonderful. Uh, I, I think it's a, a fool's errand. I think everybody loses here. Mm. What a great answer that is to that. I really appreciate you putting that out there in the way you did. Um, and, you know, the, the last point to uh, Jesse is uh, what you say, the, the importance of making personal decisions. We say that all the time. We don't force anybody to do one or the other. It is your call to be clear. Uh, but it is what it is. We can only look at facts and data. And I will tell you one thing, uh, and all the and listeners know, and in regards to Dr. McCullough, he, he stays to the facts and the data. You don't hear him just opining and going off off a deep end somewhere. It just doesn't happen. So you have to make a personal decision. And either way, like you said, you're not going to come out clean either way. There's a price we're all paying for this catastrophe, for sure. Karen says, what diagnostics do you recommend for chronic illnesses after vaccination? Uh, most common would be on myocarditis would be the EKG, uh, the blood test, a troponin, a BNP, uh, galactin-3, ST2. Uh, a cardiac echocardiography, and then uh, cardiac MRI. For the neurologic injuries, it's largely uh, head CT, MRI, or, um, or CT. And then for the blood clotting disorders, it's the complete blood clot and the D-dimer assay. Uh, blood chemistries are needed for kidney function. So it's a pretty complete workup. These uh, vaccine injuries do involve a lot. You know, one, one thing, no, one thing nobody's talking about, Malcolm, is the additional expenses, medical expenses that people yeah. are getting with these vaccine yeah. injuries, right? Yeah. So this idea, take a vaccine, then you start to have all these symptoms. And then, you know, in the vaccine adverse event reporting system, there are many hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations, urgent care visits, and office visits for vaccine injuries. Somebody's got to pay for them. Amen. That's exactly it. Jim says, when will there be a formal release of adverse events from the vaccines that derail mortality and other injuries that doesn't get censored? The CDC uh, data are not censored. VAERS is not censored. It's open. You can go to openvaersdata.com and look at the red box summaries. 
you, you know, the, the aggregate data are not censored. If you go to the World Co- Council for Health and, uh, and pull down their June 11th, 2022 pharmacovigilance report, it's all there. It lays out everything. Uh, so things are not censored in terms of availability. What we have is we have willful blindness. The media is willfully blind, and they are not giving any update uh, in the major uh, news stations. Uh, the media is willfully blind on the World Council for Health pharmacovigilance report. And then very importantly, the FDA is willfully blind. So Dr. Katerina Lindley, who was on the McCullough report, when the World Council for Health recall of the vaccines came out, you know, she testified into the FDA record on this. It's in the FDA record. The, the week that the FDA approved vaccines for children aged six months to five years is the same week the World Health Council for Health, which represents 70 non-governmental organizations worldwide, where they declared that they're unfit for human use, pull them off the market. Oh, wow. All right. Elaine says, my husband and I are not jabbed in trying to conceive. I've seen a lot of people having a hard time with getting pregnant. You were just, we talked about that up top of the show here. Do you know why? Any fertility suggestions? Hmm. Don't have any suggestions. The data came in from the GET paper. It looks bad for male fertility. Uh, We still don't yet have the clinical data on female fertility. Uh, You know, Dr. Thorpe has mentioned that men have a better chance because men produce so many more sperm and that looks like it can rebound. You take a couple vaccines and you lay off them. The men will be able, men will be fine. But the women have a set number of eggs. That's the problem. And every egg that's lost, let's say the vaccine does injure the ovaries and cause loss of eggs. You can't get them back. Wow. Wow. We're already having population problems. This certainly won't help our cause out, friends. Uh, Jennifer says, do you think the monkeypox virus circulated now has been engineered in a lab using gain of function? Wow. Well, we did receive word that the the biosecurity annex lab uh, four in Wuhan, China, does have the genetic code for monkeypox. Now, in their release, they say they're working on trying to work on a, on a diagnostic test for it. Uh, but, you know, the fact that labs uh, are working on genetic code for monkeypox, the fact that we have the CDC as a monkeypox response team, uh, that we've already had T-pox, the drug Ticoviramat, and then the uh, Genios uh, Nordic Bavarian vaccine, you know, all coming together in preparation for a monkeypox outbreak. Now, granted, they also are positioned for a smallpox outbreak. It's almost like SARS-CoV-2 over and over again. You know, with COVID-19, Malcolm, you know, the uh, NIH was funding through the EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Daszak, they were funding uh, research being conducted in the biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. This is well-documented. There's a paper by Menchery and colleagues in 2015 saying that, aha, we, we, we got the virus, we can manipulate it, and we can get it to uh, invade through the human ACE2 receptor. They were doing all this in Wuhan, China in 2015 and publishing the results. And then in 2017, when Johns Hopkins holds the planning seminar called the SPARS pandemic, saying it's going to be a coronavirus uh, invasion uh, a, a pandemic. And then in, in um, event 201, when Hopkins again with the Chinese CDC, Gates Foundation, and other stakeholders hold a planning exercise and say it's going to be a coronavirus pandemic. Get ready for it. You know, we have to 
watch these public events very carefully. They said it was going to happen. The research says they're working on it. And in fact, it happened. And now with monkeypox, they say well, they've got a response team. They're working on it. They say it's going to happen. Maybe we should take them seriously. Maybe we should take them seriously. And, and you know, with, um, with that, I'm going to bite my tongue uh, so I don't, because I have some strong opinions on all that. But let's keep going. I want to get questions in here from Andrea. She says, how does one start to convince people of the dangers of COVID vaccines for children, pregnant women, and adults when they still believe um, President Biden, Dr. Fauci, and the mainstream media are telling us the truth? That's a tough question, isn't it? I don't think there's an answer for that, is there? Well, we can use our common sense. So common sense would tell us these are brand new vaccines. They're genetic vaccines. We have no idea if they're safe long-term. We have no assurances on safety. So for a pregnant woman, is it a good idea to take something in her body that we have no assurances that it's safe and it's brand new and it's genetic? I mean, these words ought to be having pregnant women run for the hills. Malcolm, common sense should prevail when we have no idea if it's safe. We should not be injecting this into a six-month-old baby. Common or, sense. Or a pregnant woman. There hasn't been a long enough term. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or a pregnant woman. Paula says in February 22, I had a cough and nasal congestion congestion i did a home test and a pcr test both negative i donated blood in april and found to be reactive for the COVID antibodies today i developed a cough with fever home test negative pcr positive i thought that the antibodies protected me from COVID. could it be that i no longer have antibodies no the, the antibodies are there it's just that the virus has changed so i think she's actually had two episodes of the uh, infection and uh, the diagnostic testing were negative when the characteristic features were there and she had follow-up antibody testing with the blood donation, that's fine. And she's had it a second time. Okay, all right. Well, that's the time we have here for all the questions here. And uh, friends, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Remember, we're always a beat ahead. <laughs>